To Saturday Morning Rewind with Tim Nidell. Let's go back in time when turtles roam the sewers of New York. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror, the And knowing was half the battle. Yo, yo! It's time for Saturday Morning Rewind. Well, hello, everybody out there. Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. I am your host, Tim Nidale. I am very excited about this episode. Uh, when I was a kid, Tiny Toon Adventures was seriously one of my favorite cartoons of all time. Watched it every second I could. Plucky Duck was my favorite character from the show. And Joe Alasky would be my guest today who voiced Plucky Duck. So this was truly an amazing time to get and talk to him about Tiny Toon Adventures, uh, Looney Tunes... People might not know this, but he is the only person after Mel Blanc that has voiced every single one of the key characters of Looney Tunes. That's amazing. I should have never made that left turn at Area 51. We have a surprise for you. Live footage of the Loch Ness Monster! <coughs> Ow! My biscuits are burning! Fire in the hat! Oh, eat green hornetoes! That's smart! He's got a true talent. Great talk with him. Hope you guys enjoy it too. Before I play, I do want to plug a couple things. I want to thank everybody who donated last time to the website and podcast. I went ahead and used that money to get a new mixer, which I'm using right now, and a new recorder uh, to record my phone interviews with that sounds a lot better, which I use this time also. Uh, there are a few hiccups in the recording. I didn't really play around with it too much before I did the interview, and my vocals are a little bit louder than Joe's vocals. But I, I try to even that out in the editing process. I think I did a pretty good job, so hopefully it doesn't show through too much. And, of course, make sure to check out our website, SaturdayMorningRewind.com. I've got links there for our YouTube page, so go ahead and subscribe to that. Uh, check us out on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Please leave positive iTunes and Stitcher Radio reviews. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter. You know, just have fun on the website. I've been working on it, and... I'm working on it a lot more in the coming months, so please stay tuned for that. But anyways, I don't want to bore you guys to death, so here is my interview with Joe Alasky. Alright guys, we are in for a huge, huge special treat today. Joe Alasky, who, I, who I've been a huge fan of since the 80s, he will be joining us on this amazing podcast episode joe how are you doing today uh-huh. uh yeah oh there you are uh yeah i'd like to order a large thin crust pizza with anchovies pineapple and blue cheese i think you, you might have the wrong number <laughs> oh wait a second well, I, oh you're on the other line okay uh is this tim it is and saturday morning rewind yes 
Oh, can I call you back? I'm on a really important call. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, I guess. I tipped it off. I'm laughing already. I'm sorry. <laughs> we tried. We tried. And you're supposed to be this big old, you know, big old actor who can, you know, keep a roll down. And... Well, that shows you. I've just been fooling them for years. <laughs> so before I get into the, the true part of the interview, I wanted to tell a quick story about when I was a kid and how, how important this interview right now is to me. When I was 10 years old, around 1990, 1991-ish, um, I used to carry around this huge old tape recorder with a, with a microphone to it. And I used to record my favorite cartoon characters on TV. And at that point, seriously, Plucky Duck was my favorite character on TV at that point. So I would interview... I do have great taste, I must say that. <laughs> so I would, I would record Plucky Duck and go back to my bedroom... And then I had another tape recorder there where I would pretend to interview Plucky Duck. And I would edit in my questions and then edit in Plucky's responses from the cartoon episode. Uh-huh. And then here I am today actually interviewing Plucky Duck. Yes, well, aren't you lucky? <laughs> in the meantime, all the girls out in the audience are saying, Oh, isn't Tim cute? I know. <laughs> Excuse me. So, uh, well, look, Tim, if you can't say anything nice about somebody, just shut up, will you, please? <laughs> I enjoyed doing Tiny Tunes enormously. It was my first real big dive into the pool out here. Uh, I had gotten my toes wet earlier, thanks to a gentleman named Bill Scott. You might know him better as Bullwinkle J. Moose. Nice. And he was kind of my mentor, uh... I was doing local radio in Boston. He was touring the country with June Foray, Rocky, and the fashion. And uh, they stopped off at the radio station I was working at. He liked my work as Boris Padinoff and the announcer. And um, Paul Fries and Bill Conrad voices. And uh, he said, young man, if you come out west, I'll put you to work. You're the best I've heard. So uh, that's all the bragging I'm going to (laughs) do. I'm just so proud to have had him as one of my mentors. Oh, Another one being Chuck Jones later in my Wow. Life. Yeah, I know. To get to work with these guys uh, was was a real thrill. Almost as thrilling as you're talking to me. <laughs> Chuck Jones, what is what is Chuck like? Chuck Jones was uh, a, a real cool gent. He was uh, uh, in control of his world, as you must realize, and uh, had nothing more to prove by the time I met him. He was retired, uh, essentially, uh, semi-retired. But he still had a couple of projects he wanted to to work on, including an online uh, cartoon called Timberwolf, which I played the lead role in that with an original voice, uh, based on the old Western character actor, Chill Wills. I don't know if you've ever seen him in a movie. I'm sure I have. My, my, My dad used to love Westerns. Yeah, great old western uh, Texan guy with a big, deep, froggy voice like this. Anyway, so that was Timberwolf, and then I did Daffy Duck for President, uh, which he uh, supervised, and another cartoon called Father of the Bird, which he uh, produced. And uh, I was I played Sylvester in that one, and uh, I worked with June Foray in that also. Go ahead, look up those titles, kids, and see if you can find them anywhere in the world. <laughs> Father of the Bird is the name of that little gem. Wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> and of course, uh, um, Chuck figured very, very prominently in my getting the uh, Duck Dodgers series. He was gone by then, but uh, those who knew him and uh, believed in that project, of course, he helped create the, uh, the whole concept, um, just were totally behind uh, uh, making it work as w- well as possible. And uh, for some dumb reason, they hired me to do Daffy and Marvin Martian and that. And then they were even dumber and gave me an Emmy for it. <laughs> Those idiots. What were they thinking? Oh, well, they never stop. <laughs> By the way, can you hear me okay? I can. I'm in my typing suit with my helmet on. Nice, yeah. So no. It's locked in good into one of those old round old-fashioned diving suits. <laughs> I can imagine it now. Wow. Hey, it's Saturday morning. I'm watching cartoons. Just, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm, having a, I'm eating Limburger cheese, and I'm stretching and squishing my body, and I just put on my four-fingered white gloves. I'm all set for the day. <laughs> now, now, tell me about that call you got in the early... Didn't you get a call in the early 80s asking you to like be a replacement for Mel Blanc? Yes, and that was not Chuck Jones, but another fella, uh, also extremely uh, well-known, prominent, brilliant cartoon director named Frizz Freeling, uh, who was the other uh, one of the three major directors over at Warner's Mm -hmm. Christmas. And he sent scouts out around the country, uh, or at one point, uh, one one of the people who knew him, let's put it that way, saw a comedy show... I was doing, I did impressions for a living, and I had just begun doing a routine where uh, Daffy Duck was accused of murder by Columbo, okay? (laughs) And uh, that went over so well, I decided to close my act with a volley of Looney Tunes characters and try my hand at amusing the audience with that stuff. Well, I got scouted by Frizz Freeling, essentially, and uh, he phoned me up, about, oh, I don't know, a couple of days later, saying who he was and uh, what he wanted to tell me was, uh, what he wanted to give me was a critique on my act. I said, uh, I can't believe my ears. First of all, how do you get a hold of my material? And he said, well, you were recorded by my scout, and <laughs> she played it for me, and I just heard it, and I want to tell you how well you're doing. And he went on to give me details about which characters he thought were the strongest and which needed work, which included Bugs Bunny. I had to agree. I, yeah. I couldn't do him to save my life back then, huh. in the, uh, the late 80s. And, you know, when I was doing Bugs Bunny, it sounded more like this than it does now. And, you know, it took me about two or three years, Doc, to get this voice to sound even this crummy. So, uh, <laughs> you know, you stink it. Nice. I, I, I tried my best to get that voice and all the rest of them down, and uh, he said uh, essentially the same thing Bill Scott had told me, which is, uh, if you come out west, we'll probably put you to work, because uh, Mel, <laughs> who was, who was uh, also uh, uh, retired and, um, you know, not long for this world, uh he wouldn't be around forever, said Frizz. So I said, okay, I'll try to make it. And since then, over the past 30 years, I've been doing Daffy and the other characters. Uh, I'm the only guy in the talent pool, if you will. They don't use me all the time. You yeah. know that. Yeah. 
Uh, but I'm the only guy who's played all of the major characters. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. One form or another, including, yes, including Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. <laughs> but it, also Porky. You have to hunt for some of these credits, but I've done them all at one point. Hubie and Birdie and uh, Henry Chicken Hawk, all those characters. Oh, wow, nice. Yeah. So, I mean, what is it? What is it like? I, I know it usually goes between you, Jeff Bergman, and Billy West to do Bugs and some of the other characters. What is it like deep down inside when somebody else gets the part? Oh, well, I've got a very uh, philosophically developed rhinoceros skin out here about that stuff. <laughs> Ever since the beginning, I'll give you a little trade secret about Warner Brothers animation. Ever since uh, Mel's passing, the consensus of opinion in the uh, uh, higher offices there were that they didn't want anybody else ever claiming oh. characters as their own. Therefore, they developed a talent pool, and I was just one of four members who were given the occasional opportunity to do the voices, sometimes given to us, but most of the time, and I'm talking about 90% of the time over the past 30 years, I was asked to audition for every single job. Wow. Even after, even after Duck Dodgers. So uh, I thought uh, this is just the way it's always going to be. They'll either recommend me for certain producers uh, or they'll recommend somebody else whose turn they think it is. They are that uh, blindly democratic about it. They, mm. they, they just won't say who they think is the best. They're going to recommend everybody. So even though I'm a critical darling, and uh, I'm talking about people like Jerry Beck and Mark Evanier have constantly sung my praises as the best doing the Looney Tunes characters, um, that's all their interpretation. Okay? Mm -hmm. my, ego, my ego's been under control for a long time. I thank God for my talent. I've always had it. Can't do anything about it. <laughs> All I can do is use it. So I do. Uh, I take no credit for it, whatever. So if I sound like a, you know, big ham or something, well, I am. But uh, I'm just grateful to have been able to do the work that people like so much. Ah, uh -huh. nice. You Good know? for you. And I did my best to please them and everybody. My philosophy in working has always been give 110%. Uh-huh. Better than they expected. That sometimes employs some ad-libs. Uh, it sometimes, uh, you know, some rewrites or something I might suggest. But um, not not that kind of way. Uh, usually the writers know what they're doing. Too. So, uh, but there are some projects I'm kind of glad I wasn't in on, uh, on the other hand. Oh, really? What were those? Well, for instance, the new, well, now it's, I think it's over, but the new Looney Tunes show, yep. they did Cartoon Network. <clears throat> yeah. I didn't care for the concept. To start <laughs> at, at point A, I thought, look, at you're breaking Chuck Jones' number one animation rule. If it doesn't need to be animated, don't animate it. Yeah. If it's a sitcom, you film it, you don't animate it. So what they did, though, on this show, and I don't know why they did, but they turned Bugs and Daffy into the odd couple. Yeah. And they put them in a house, and all their adventures are in a house. I know they get out of there now and then, but the concept 
left me scratching my head. <laughs> Why in the world take away their world of animation yeah. and take them into Felix and Oscar? That I didn't get. I, I must, I must yeah. confess, I, I was opposed against it, too. I didn't watch it for the first year. But then I yeah, watched we, it. I, I watched it, and I actually enjoyed it for what it was. Well, that's good. Hey, there's good work being done there. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, you know, it's all direct. I'm just saying uh, I didn't like the concept. Yeah. I would have done it a totally different way. I would have driven to uh, recreate the flavor of the early classics. That's my whole thing, is, is keeping that alive. But then again, I'm kind of glad they didn't go that direction, because I don't think they didn't even get near what they were pulling off in those days. Well, maybe not. And then again, there are those of us who were toiling in that business who would have given it their That's true. 110%. That is true. You know? All right, so... Uh, other projects, well, I'm uh, very happy to have been part of uh, even even things that were handed to me after the fact. For instance, they had voiced all the characters uh, to the animation in the movie um, Looney Tunes Back in Action. Okay. I was not cast in that originally. Hmm. But, but later, uh, Joe Dante, who, who was the director... Uh, kind of tossed out the writer-producer uh, and said, I want to go in a new direction. I don't like the voices I'm hearing. So then he hired me for the two leads and a few other handful of voices. Uh, and I was very happy to do it, even though it was kind of um, sloppy seconds. Uh, uh, lots of pickups and rewrites on that one, boy. I never worked harder. <laughs> so I, 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 was, I was glad when it kind of worked. But then... I thought Warner's kind of dropped the ball about advertising it all. Yeah. They, they didn't push it very hard. Yeah, to be honest, that's, that's the one I haven't seen. I, I, well, I, don't, I don't know what it was, but it just, yeah. it just didn't appeal to me as some of the other Looney Tunes projects. Well, you know, uh, I've had a, always a little bit of an um, uneasy feeling about mixing animation and live action. Since Roger Rabbit, yeah. which I was also yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Sam. But then I I started getting uneasy because then it became the norm. It's true. You had to have live actors with your animated stars, and I thought, no, 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 you don't. They can carry a whole feature themselves if they only gave them the chance. But this writer producer thought, well, I'll I'll give them what they already know and mix in live actors with animation. And everyone will have a jolly good time. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, it, it generally did work. But, uh, you know, it, it was rough going there, especially for Joe. Boy, did he have his, Joe Dante had his hands full. Uh, you've worked with some amazing people during your career. Tell me about working with uh, Don Messick during uh, Tiny Toons. Oh, that was a joy. He was really wry, W-R-Y, wry. Uh, okay, he hardly ever talked. I guess that was from years and years of working at Hanna-Barbera. You knew just when to open your mouth and when you didn't have to. Mm-hmm. So he was a real uh, tight-lipped kind of a guy, but a real professional. He was always ready, of course. And what tickled me about him was uh, nothing ruffled him. Charlie was slightly out of his mind. Charlie had yeah. a late buster. He and Tress McNeil used to had this ongoing vaudeville show during the recording sessions where they just wouldn't, and I'm sure they would forgive me putting it this way because it's true, 
they just wouldn't shut up, ever. <laughs> they had to talk every second that they were in the booth together, so that it made it really hard to concentrate on, on one's work. Okay, I had trouble with that at first. I wasn't expecting that mm-hmm. kind of thing um, in a professional capacity. They were behaving, I thought, amateurishly. Anyhow, Don Messick would sit there like an Easter Island statue, just <laughs> waiting for his cues. And uh, I'll tell you one funny story about Don, and that is when I did get him finally to talk, I had heard that he had a long commute to work every day from Santa Barbara to Los Angeles. That is a long commute every day. Mm-hmm. So I asked him, is that true, Don? Do you really drive every day from Santa Barbara uh, to, to L.A. and back every night? And he said, yes. And I said, ah, well, uh, but but you're married. And he says, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you like doing... Uh, you know, one of his characters in the Flintstones episode. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Don was amazing. That, uh, that is wry. He only said one word. He made me laugh. Wow, wow. Yeah, Just delivery. That's funny delivery. Yeah, t- tell me, tell me about Tiny Toons. I mean, what was voicing Plucky like? I mean, I hear you even gave him the name Plucky Duck. I did. Um, when they first came to me, the name in the script and uh, on the sides was Mucky. Wow. And uh, I looked at that and I said, uh, okay, I guess they don't like this character very much. (laughs) Maybe he's the villain of the piece Uh, or something. Yeah. But then when I caught uh, a whiff of what the character was really all about, and I was at the uh, callback stage, they said to me, by the way, uh, do you like the character? I said, yeah, yeah, I like it all except the name. They said, what's wrong with the name? I said, it's just off center a little bit. He's not a dark, dirty character like the word muck implies. What he is is courageous and a little nuts and uh, what you'd really like to do is get your hands on him and pluck all his feathers out. Call him plucky. (laughs) And they said, oh, okay, good idea. So next thing I knew, like the next hour, it was plucky duck. Yeah, I don't think I would have liked it as much if it was mucky duck, honestly. Well, think about it. It's just uh, negative. Yeah, I mean, was he still the same color green when it was mucky? Yes. Hmm. That, yeah, the... he was always green. He was always green. I didn't change his colors just as then. Hmm. <laughs> and that was in the audition process. I think Steven Spielberg liked that, uh, liked that suggestion, and that helped me get the part. Awesome. Because he was, you know, exact on that. Yeah, yeah. Remember? His name was on the title. Remember that? Oh, yeah, That's I do. you know he can produce it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I got a trivia question for you. Okay. I love this. What major producer of uh, early American cinema also starred in most of his films, although he never took billing, okay, and never achieved fame for doing so, but he was the producer and the star. Wow. Dozens of films. Never took on-screen credit for it. And I'll give you one last clue. He won shelves full of Oscars. Who am I talking about? Producer, not director? Mm-hmm. Wow. He voiced, um, he voiced the lead character in almost all of his early films, never took credit for it, and then went on to win like 45 or 50 Oscars. Who am I? 
My name is. Ah. Uh, I'm going to. Walt Disney. Oh, yeah, I knew that. <laughs> I knew that. He played Mickey Mouse. He was I knew that. Mouse. Yeah. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't really stop to think. Well, who did voices back then? Yeah. Walt himself. I mean, he was also Minnie Mouse for a period of time, too. Yeah. 35, uh, he played it for a long, long time, too, and uh, never needed to take screen credit. Yeah, he's also he's also the, the person who's won the most Oscars, too. That's true. That is true. What is it, like 28 or something? Uh, he had, uh, I forget how many, maybe 28 personal ones. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, the rest all went to his features, his short yep. and his documentary work. All brilliant stuff. I tell you what, you know how people always ask you, who would you love to have dinner with if you can, living or dead person? Walt Disney is that person to me. Oh, is he? I used to think of him as, uh, I grew up with him on TV, still alive. Uh, you know, everything from Mickey Mouse Club to Disneyland was the original name of the show, Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. He was always like an uncle. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I thought of him as Uncle Walt. Yep. More entertaining than any of my real uncles, of course. And, uh, <laughs> a little more rich, barely. But um, yeah, uh, also he had that that want to know you kind of uh, personality. You know, you want to know him. Yeah. And uh, he was like that. Chuck Jones had that kind of personality too. He I can was, see that. He was a doll. I'll tell you a fun story about him too. When I one of the first times I met him, I brought a copy of his book. Chuck him up for him to autograph. I thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity. Well, at the meeting was his daughter, Linda, uh, I think it's Clough Jones. <laughs> or Linda Jones Clough, I'm sorry. And uh, she's a, she was extremely protective of her father and his properties. So when I asked for an autograph, she said, oh, no, no, no. I'm afraid we can't have Chuck sign. <laughs> Uh, anything personal like that. He's he's doesn't do that anymore. I won't let him. Wow. Quote unquote. Quote unquote. But I will let I will let him initial it for you. So Chuck took my book, scribbled in it, handed it back to me. We concluded the interview, the lunch, whatever it was, and I left with the director and uh, took the book home. Now about three or four years. Later, I opened the book. You know the end of the story already, don't you? <laughs> I can sense it coming, yeah. He certainly did sign it, his full name. Absolutely. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of a guy he was. While he was listening to his daughter explain <laughs> why his autograph is too valuable, he said. That is amazing. She, she was afraid, you know, uh, for uh, financial reasons, I'd just turn around and sell it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not realizing, oh not I, my gosh, this is my life, my career, my, not only my life and career, it's my, it's my hemoglobin. For uh -huh. Did you have any chances to meet Mel Blanc? Yes. Yes, I did meet him on uh, one of the current recording sessions of uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay. I did not get to speak with him very uh. long that time or the next time I met him, which was another recording session unrelated to anything we were doing together. And uh, he was recording something. I was, he was coming out of the booth, and I was going in. And uh, someone introduced us. We shook hands. Uh, the person explained, I think it was my agent, 
explained to Mel, this is the fellow who took over for you on <laughs> Roger Rabbit doing Foghorn Leghorn and Yosemite Sam. And he kind of got a look in his eye and nodded his head in a sharp way, which which made me think, oh, he doesn't really like that. <laughs> sure enough, Mel didn't even mention who framed Roger Rabbit in his own autobiography years later. And I found out from Bob Zemeckis, who directed Roger, uh, that Mel did not want to be replaced on any of his original voices. Oh, wow. I can't blame the man. No, no. I mean, Bob, unfortunately, explained it to me that he just couldn't use those tracks because the characters sounded too feeble. Mel was, you know, nearing 90 by then, or, you know, late 80s by then. And, uh, you know, Foghorn Lakehorn just didn't sound like himself anymore. Sam was just a uh, faded shadow of this former strength. So the, those two voices had to be replaced. So and Foggy, of course, was dropped from the whole movie. So did Mel do any voices on Roger Rabbit then? Of course he did Daffy. And, okay. And um, I think he did every other one of his original Except for voices, those. Include, except for those. That's right, yeah, he was Bugs. Uh, he was Bugs in that one, yeah. And Porky and Tweety, mm-hmm. I'm sure. I, I think I'm the only guy who replaced him while he was still alive. Uh, he had a rough time doing the Looney Tunes. Do you realize in how many years he did those classic shorts? He never got a raise. Never. Really? 50 bucks per cartoon. Oh my God, seriously? That, yeah, and no royalties either. Wow. His pay was 50 bucks a cartoon and voice credit on screen. Wow, I did not realize yep. that. Yep, and he was so tight on the voice credit, he didn't allow anyone else to yeah. get credit for a long time. Uh, I don't know if that was his own personal decision or his agents or whatever, or Warner's, but uh, that's the way it turned out. It took until the 60s for people like June Foray yeah. and others to get, yeah. to get voice credit. I saw that you're actually currently making Space Jam 2. Is that correct? Who, me? Yeah. Uh, the answer is not that I know of. Okay. Yeah, IMD- Was it announced somewhere that I don't, I'm in the I don't, cast? On IMDb.com, you're listed as Daffy Duck. Well, they're, they're guessing, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Or they're, they're misinformed. My agent and I know nothing about it. <laughs> would you, would you do it? Nor any, uh, in case you were going to ask any new Looney Tunes project. Okay. For me, on anything... Uh, uh, since, uh, well, actually, I had to do some Daffy work this year. I did a Batman game, Batman 3 for Sega. Okay. And Duck Dodgers is one of the uh, nice. universes he in, uh, you can explore. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that. Oh, by the way, uh, I'm also doing a series. I am working currently, but not as a cartoon voice. Okay. I'm working on the Investigation Discovery Channel oh. show called, it's called Murder Comes to Town. And I am the spooky real-life narrator of these terrible uh, stories about small-town murders. Kind of a Vincent Price approach. Oh, murders. yeah, awesome. I, I love it. Yeah, uh, well, they wanted a spooky narrator. Somehow I got the job. <laughs> From my in- impression of Vincent Price, they liked that. And uh, they said, well, back off the voice a little bit, and then 
just read it as if you were Vincent Price, but uh, the same feeling, but not the same voice. So I'm doing that. We're going to start our second season uh, as we speak. We're, we're recording the first oh, very show cool. as we speak. Yep. And um, another thing I have to mention, in case uh, any of uh, you or your listeners venture into eBay territory and discover a book with the title Joe Alaski, don't bother. What it is is somebody, the two guys' idea of pulling a bunch of misinformation off of uh, Wikipedia. Oh, my goodness. Without any permission or interview or anything. I never got a call from these guys. And it's misinformation. Wow. There's uh, half the book is wrong. For instance, uh, my birthplace. I was brought <laughs> up in a little town called Waterbury, but I wasn't born there. But they have a whole chapter on Wow. On town I was uh, brought up in, but not born in. All right. They got that wrong. Um, they leave out so many credits, it's, in, it's incredible. All the Warner stuff is practically gone from this book. Seriously? No men, yeah, no mention of uh, Duck Dodgers or the Emmy or anything nice like that, you know. But then again, these are people who never contacted me. Wow. And the rest of the book is crammed with information you don't need about, <laughs> uh, for instance, I, one, one time I played Dr. Octopus for a Spider-Man. Okay. Well, there's ten pages on Dr. Octopus, <laughs> all of which have nothing to do with me. I mentioned in my, as a footnote, you know. So avoid this book. It's on eBay, but avoid it. Yeah, because I, I actually... I, I my book instead. I have a great book, an autobiography called That's Still Not All, Folks. And you can buy that from Bear Manor Media, B-E-A-R-M-A-N-O-R. Okay. And uh, I illustrated it. I wrote the whole thing myself. Nice. Again, with tongue-in-cheek. I kind of make fun of the whole process of writing an autobio. And uh, that's been out for a few years. Okay. So uh, definitely still available. Have you read it? I have not. I didn't know you had one, so I'm going to pick it up. I like I collect a lot of voice actors, you know, books that they write, and so I need to pick that up. So okay, I, well, I just gave you the info, so... Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep. Even illustrated by me. And nice. I'm not bad. I almost became uh, an illustrator when I was a youngster. Aww. You turn out all right, I think. I'll brag a little bit about that because that's another <laughs> one of my one of my talents I had nothing to do with. Yeah, I, I used to want to be an animator when I grew up, so I went to art school and just I just dropped out for some reason, just never really pursued it. Well, I'll tell you, Tim. Since I achieved superpowers, I think I'm going to retire. <laughs> Good for you. But, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else can I tell you? Oh, one more funny, funny thing that, you know, the Space Jam 2 thing is on IMDb. They have listed um, Jimmy Kimmel as Buster Bunny. <laughs> I I had to laugh when I saw that. Uh, <laughs> okay, you know, it's funny, you raised a memory. Back when the original Space Jam was auditioning, uh, I went in for something like 10 auditions. I'm not exaggerating. Wow. 10 auditions for Ivan Reitman. And I went to my agent when they asked for the 11th call back I said to my agent no tell him if he doesn't know what he wants by now then he he doesn't want me uh-huh. because I know what I'm doing I don't know if he knows what he's doing but by this time Ivan Reitman had come out with a quote something like 
anybody can play these characters. Charlie Sheen could play Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Something like that. I, I, I'm probably misquoting, and forgive me, Ivan, if I'm wrong. But uh, that's what I heard, and by that time I said to my agent, tell him we passed. So that's why I'm not in Space Jam. I passed. Okay. I've always wondered why the you auditions. The auditions went on forever, and again, I'm kind of a kind of an old curmudgeon when it comes to this stuff, but I didn't like the hip-hop angle on the, yeah. on the classic characters. I thought that was pandering yeah. to the young audience. And I don't mind saying uh, that it was, you know, half-conceived as, uh, you know, a, 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 not a rip-off, but a sequel sort of thing to Roger Rabbit. Yep. The other half was, let's make a star out of Michael Jordan. Yeah. I didn't mind that at all, but, uh, you know, to make the characters, uh, I don't know, they, they were so subservient to that story, I didn't I didn't enjoy reading for it, and I thought, this movie's going to, you know, just flop. <laughs> I was wrong about that. I know. But, uh, <laughs> I think that was, you know, in part uh, due to Michael Jordan's popularity. Not yeah, that's true. Reason. That is true. I thought they were misused. Yeah. In that. Yeah, well, definitely. Oh, well. And yet, yeah, I mean, so, first of all... Joe, do you have any real opinions? Just, you know... <laughs> <laughs> go, yeah, go ahead and speak your mind, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anybody trying to copy the the, the success of Roger Rabbit is probably going to fail, because Roger Rabbit, to me, is amazing. It still is. Well, I'm... Uh, were you surprised at all that they came up with another mixture of live action and animation for the, for the mass audience? Yeah. And again, with back in action, they did the same thing. And they're going to keep doing it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, until they, they get the point that animation can can stand on its own in a feature film. Well, they know that. Some some people do. Some people don't. All right, Joe. Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to add? Do you have a Twitter, Facebook, well, or anything you just want to... Mentioned, I mentioned the good book. I mentioned the bad book. I mentioned the <laughs> series, Murder Comes to Town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I can't tell you what nights and times it's on. It might change. So uh, okay. just look look for that online and see season one, though, folks. All right. So that's about it, Tim. I thank you very much. No, no. It's been my pleasure. Can I have you close the episode as a plucky duck? Hey, you know, I hardly did any voices for you at all. That's true. Oh, of course I will. All right. Listen, Toonsters. You just stay nice and happy and green and do your homework. And then watch cartoons, okay? Then I'll be happy. That's going to do for this episode. Please remember to follow me on Facebook and Twitter. And please, please, please leave an iTunes review. All those links can be found on my website at SaturdayMorningRewind.com. I'll see you guys next time. Boy, am I hungry. What do you want? Maybe I'll get an apple. An apple? Let's buy some candy. Hold on, fellas. Lifeline! Listen to your friend Terrell. He's got the right idea. Yeah, you never catch an NBA player eating a candy bar for a game. A candy bar might give you a quick boost of energy, but after 20 minutes, you'll feel run down. So let's eat smart. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Hey, thanks for listening to me. Saturday morning rewind. And that's all. Thank you.